0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. This is going to be a little bit of a different kind of message. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of build up or work up to these verses here. And uh, I'll go ahead and read them but you can remain seated this evening Galatians 5:16 and 17 It says this I say then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would Really good verses solid principle here that we'll look at here this evening maybe depends Sometimes you start on a message, you're not really sure exactly how, uh, where it's going to head, and uh, maybe that's one of those tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to be continuing our, our, kind of our mini-series on uh, biblical music philosophy. And to this point, uh, the primary application so far has been uh, in the area of church music, how it applies here, and, and we talked about 2, Corinthians, or 2 Chronicles chapter 5, and ...and the uh, God filling the temple, the dedication of the temple... ...and how God can be moved by music... ...and, and then we talked about having the right affections toward God... ...and when you come to this place uh, with God... ...our emotions that we have here aren't the same kind of emotions... ...that we show in other places. Then we talked about music worthy of God... ...and we talked about Joshua and Moses coming down from the mountain... ...and hearing the, the sounds of, of the children of Israel... ...and thinking it's the sound of war... And Moses said, no, it's the sound of music that I hear. And the children of Israel had tied to, tried to take something that was pagan, the practices that they learned in Egypt, and apply them to music uh, as worship for God. And, uh, and so we've kind of done most of the, the church application at this point. And tonight I want to get a little bit more personal, maybe a little bit more uh, pointed tonight. Uh, and in our how our music applies in our lives. And I, I do that because there's so much about music that is, is powerful and, affect, and it affects us. It, music is a universal language. Uh, some years back, my wife and I went to India on a missions trip with our, our pastor and his wife. And it really struck me that the universal reach of music while we were there in a country on the other side of the world. It was pretty interesting when on the airplane they had televisions uh, in the, on the seat in front of your, your airplane seat. And so uh, that's becoming more and more common I think. And, and there, there's a television. It was a long flight. We were from going from the Middle East actually into India. And and these screens on the, on the TV, you know, you start kind of uh, just going through those and seeing the different channels. And and it really starts to started to strike me uh, how how much that they were trying to mimic the music that you hear in the United States on those Indian channels. There, you know, they were there was guys in in turbans and, and you know they're definitely from India. They're in turbans and they're rapping music. I mean, they're dressed in typical Indian traditional. Of clothing, and they're singing hip-hop. I mean, it literally, I mean, they weren't singing in a language that I could understand, but the beat and the style was the same. They were mimicking what they had seen coming from other countries. And then, um, if 40 channels on the television there, uh, where we were staying, at one point we flipped through just to see what it would be like, and if there are 40 channels on the, on the television, probably 15 of them were strictly music video channels. I mean, it was just fascinating to me how how music had inundated even a country like that, and I mean, really about as far away as you can get um, in terms of culture from America, and yet you see the really the uh, influence. And then we went to a really the probably the nail in the coffin about music and its impact, and 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 just the way that it affects people was my we were coming back from visiting um, a village somewhere. And, and as we came into this town, uh, there, was, there were people all in the streets. There was a parade of some kind. And when, you got, when we got out of the vehicle and uh, we, we just wanted to see what was going on, and it was some kind of a, of a Hindu festival that they were having. And, and what was interesting is the entire time that we were watching the festival, you hear the beat of drums in the background. Dun, 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 and as we were walking along, um, we, we noticed that everyone was kind of in a, almost in a trance to the beat of the music. And there was a truck that came by, and I, it was a strange... I, I couldn't really tell what was happening with it right at first, but as it got closer to us, it was kind of a big flatbed... ...semi type of truck and it had these three long poles... ...like telephone poles hanging over the front of it... ...with hooks hanging from the telephone poles... ...and and and connected to the hooks were these Hindu men... ...they, they had run the hooks through the, the skin and their shoulder blades... ...and their lower back and their, their thighs... ...and they were just dangling from the hooks... ...on the top of the truck. And they came by and I couldn't believe my eyes but... You know, as they came by, the one thing that I can't ever get out of my mind um, as I watched them was the whole time. The dun, 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 every man up hanging there um, was was their head was bobbing to the beat of the music. And, and I can't explain all of that. I think it was there were definitely demonic forces at work. And the music was affecting them in a way that, again, I can't it's hard for me to be just blatantly black and white about the effect that it had on them but the music definitely was a part of that festival and in the Hindu religion they believe that you have to uh, if you want to please one of the 333 million gods or however many there are that you have to suffer you have to show your commitment by by doing things like that to yourself and uh, we there were many that came through and they had rods they had poked through their skin and their cheeks and I remember watching this little girl that was probably eight years old, and, and the music was, had her in such a trance. I mean, her eyes were kind of rolled into the back of her head, and as she walked, I mean, it was just like she wasn't there. And I don't mean to turn it real dark and too heavy right up front, um, but, but music played a big part in what was happening in that festival. And, I, and I'm not going to stand here and say I understand all of the ways that music affects us. Um, but we have reason to believe based on scriptural evidence that Satan it was an instrument of music even in his body um, as an angel that maybe oversaw the music of heaven. There's evidence to that, the tablets and the pipes of his body, if, we, if, we, if, if what Ezekiel has to say about him is true. And, and, and we have to think that Satan, who's the angel of light, remember from this morning, that he can... Make it seem innocent and yet it can affect us in ways we don't don't even realize. Uh, Music has such a powerful effect. I mean, I'll never forget those images. It's a powerful medium. It's so powerful that teens in India are listening to essentially the same music as young people in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, as the same music as young people in California. It's universal now. And something that's saturating is not going away, and we need to know where we stand on it, because it's a stronghold in the lives of many Christians, I believe. And I know, I know this isn't always these aren't the, always the popular kind of messages, but I, I hope that you'll hear me out. And, and rather tonight than thinking I'm going to draw some lines, I'm not going to draw lines, uh, but I hope that as I go through this, that you'll learn how you should draw some lines. Because I'm not the Holy Spirit and I'm not the one that tells, I'm not supposed to tell everybody what standard they're supposed to have and what music they should listen to and, and what would be right and what would be wrong. But my job as a pastor is to give you principles so that you can draw those lines. What I'm afraid of is that we've got churches full of people that don't draw any lines. I mean, they've opened the door and they said, well, whatever wants to come in, come on in. And yet I've seen the end of music in a place like that Hindu festival. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure I want to leave my door open for that kind of stuff. I mean, that that scares me. It it makes me dependent, uh, ultra dependent on God's word to make sure that I can draw some lines that are clear. Because I don't want to expose myself to that. I've got five children to think about. I don't want to expose them to something like that. We've got to be careful. Something that's saturating is not just gonna go away and you need some solid footing because music has never been so accessible as it is right now. If you think about it, if you don't have filters on your phone or your device, you can stream any song on any subject from any artist at any time, right now. I mean, I could say, all right, ready, go. And within 10 seconds, any song, any subject, any artist right now. If you've got your phone with you. If you don't have filters, that's what's available to you. When I was a teenager, uh, in order to have that kind of music, I had to go somewhere and walk into a store and go through the racks and find a CD or find... Well, back then it was a cassette tape, and maybe you've heard of those. We'll have another discussion on that later for the young people. Cassette tapes. But, uh, or eight tracks. Maybe we'll talk about those too. Even CDs are almost obsolete now. I mean, if you've got a device and you've got the internet and you've got Apple Music or Spotify, you can basically download or stream anything you want, any artist, any subject, anytime at the touch of a button. I read recently that the average American listens to almost 35 hours of music every week. 35 hours of music, that's about as long as most people work. I mean, so something being pumped into our hearts and our ears and our lives to that degree needs some serious attention. Don't just assume that just because you like it, that it's good for you. I mean, I like ice cream a lot. There's a lot of things that I like, but it doesn't mean they're good for me. And we, we take that principle and we apply it in, in our diet. We apply it in other areas. But when it comes to what we're feeding our heart, we've got to be careful of this. I, I, I do believe strongly that it's affecting our spiritual lives. There are many people that struggle with listening to the right kind of music but I don't want to stand up here, again, I don't want to stand up here and just rail on music. I, I, what I'd like to do is give you a filter, and I don't even know that we'll li- really get into all of it tonight, but I want to lay some groundwork, but I'd like to give you a filter through which to analyze your music for yourself and determine whether or not it's spiritually helpful to you. And this subject is important because music influences us. Have you ever been walking in the store and realized that you're walking to the beat of the music and you didn't realize it? It happens to me all the time. I don't even think about it. It's just subconscious. Uh, since the time I was a kid, I mean, it, music has that in beat, that beat in, and just inherently, I'll walk to the speed of the beat, and I'll look back, and my family's nowhere to be found. I don't know where they are. I'm just walking by myself sometimes. You ever been humming a song that you didn't even realize you were humming? You ever have a song get into your head, and you cannot get it out? And it's usually the songs you hate the most that get in the, into your head that you cannot get out. Baby shark, do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> all the parents with children now hate, hate me, so... <laughs> You're going to be humming that the rest of the service if you know that song. Songs stay with you for a long time, don't they? Many Christians today say that music is amoral ...that it doesn't affect us. Moral basically means right or wrong. So our moral means that some people believe the actual music itself... ...minus the lyrics, that they can't be right or wrong. They say music doesn't have any, doesn't have any effect, it doesn't have any impact. Our moral is defined as void of any capabilities of conveying thoughts... ...of things spiritual or fleshly or sensual. They say it's just completely neutral. Well, in my message a couple weeks ago, I used some quotes... ...that I'd like to use again, one from Aristotle. Donald Grout wrote a book called A History of Western Music... ...and he quoted Aristotle as writing this. Music directly represents the passions or states of the soul. Gentleness, anger, courage, temperance. If one listens to the wrong kind of music... ...he will become the wrong kind of person. But conversely, if he listens to the right kind of music... ...he will tend to become the right kind of person... What Aristotle is saying, along with many other thinkers throughout history, is that music creates emotion, and if you feed certain emotions through music, you will eventually act them out. So it's almost universal. The experts all say that. Music's the language of human emotion. The lost recognize the power of music over the souls and the bodies of men. And as I mentioned before, it seems like the only people arguing against that are Christians trying to justify the music either that they listen to or even, and I know many, there's a movement, even independent Baptist movements now saying um, that the music doesn't matter, the lyrics are all that matters, and so they're they're trying to affect the the, the music in their churches. They're saying anything goes. Mike Coyle, again, I, re- I even quoted this one a couple of weeks ago. He's a French horn player and a Christian, a world-renowned player, and he ca- came up with a syllogism, which is, ...a form of reasoning... ...and he says, not all emotions are good ones. Can we agree with that? Yes, er, amen? Okay, not all emotions are good ones. Surely, man and his emotions were created in the image of God. But man has fallen... ...and with him has gone the purity... ...with which he was created. So if we're fallen creatures... ...if God created us with emotion... ...and yet in our bodies we're broken by sin... ...can we agree that some emotions then are not good emotions... Hate, when directed at sin, is good and acceptable, but if it's directed at a brother in Christ, it's sin. Anger is unacceptable except when the one who's angry is not sinning, it's possible to be angry and sin not. An emotion like lust is never right, it's an adulteration of God given emotion. And since music is an emotional language, and since some emotions are wrong for the child of God, then some music must be wrong for the Christian. And you say, well, I just don't believe believe that. I don't buy that. I don't think there's anything wrong with any kind of music except the lyrics. And that's fine. But what I think that you're doing is is you're you're opening a door and saying anything's allowed. And I I don't think that's ever a safe way to live. I think we've got to be careful um, to assume that just because we like it, it's okay. The music sends a message. And this is a this is, I enjoy doing this. I've done this with young people before. And uh, so let's, let's just think about this. I'll give you a scenario. And this can be interactive. I'll give you a scenario and you tell me what kind of music is playing. So the first scenario, there's a convertible uh, full of football players. And they're racing down the highway at night. They've just beaten their rivals in their biggest game of the season. And they're at homecoming and they're hollering and singing. They just beat the... The, the team, the game of the year, they're screaming, singing at the top of the lungs, what kind of music is playing? What kind of music do you hear playing? Rock and roll, thank you. Something like that, right? Something with energy. I didn't think anybody was going to say opera. I didn't think anybody was going to say, say VeggieTales, okay, in that setting. Don't ever play Veggie Tales. I could sing some of those and they get in your head and they're terrible too. (laughs) Let me give you another one. You're sitting in a dentist's chair. What kind of music is playing? What's that? Calming music, right? Um, Hard rock, heavy metal? Screamo type music? No, not at all. No, you're talking about music that will calm you. The kind of music you hear in elevators everywhere. Right, that's the kind of music they're trying to keep you calm. The last thing a dentist want, a dentist wants is uh, for the guy in the chair to be moving around and jumping around to the music. That's I wouldn't want that either. Number three, you're in a low lit, elegant restaurant with the person that you love. What kind of music is playing? Something romantic, right? Veggie Tails? Yes. Where is my hairbrush? That great romantic ballad. <laughs> You're watching... Um, I mean, there's a scary movie scene... ...which I don't necessarily love those... ...but what kind of music is playing? Screeching violins, right? Something, something scary... Something, ...something that puts you on edge. See, the style of the music... ...conveys emotion and meaning. When you go into a restaurant... ...if it's a nice restaurant... ...they play slow music... ...they play music... That's not too fast. They, they play music that, that, that will help you to kind of take it all in and enjoy the experience. But if you're in a fast food restaurant and the lines are long, they're not playing slow music. They're playing fast music because they want you to eat and get out of there. I mean, they don't, there's no room. I mean, they got to get you off. I'm Zesto's, really busy. Are you going to play Veggie Tales at Zesto's? You know, it, music excites us, it calms us, it puts us at ease, it, it makes us tense, it, it makes us reflective, it puts us on edge. And no matter what people say, the style of the music affects our emotions, therefore it is not all moral. I was talking to a friend of mine, um, and he's, he's grown, he's got children, they're grown and out of the house now, but he was rehashing ...his life as a teenager and for a time he really went uh, the wrong direction as a young person. He, he, he uh, focused on things he shouldn't and uh, just made some bad choices and got in with the wrong people. And he was telling me every bad decision, the, the worst decisions that he made as a teenager... ...in every single case, rock music was playing in the background... The first time as a teenager that, that he engaged in, in a physical relationship with a young lady that he should have been, rock music was playing. The first time that he smoked uh, marijuana, rock music was playing. The, the, the times he got in trouble with the law, rock music was playing. And we think and we say as Christians, well, music, we're above that. Music doesn't affect us. But if there are some emotions that are wrong, and music conveys emotions, then we have to assume that there is some music that is not helpful for us in our Christian lives. And that good example of the effect of music on, on man is found in 1 Samuel chapter 16. God allowed an evil spirit to trouble King Saul and his servants, and, and so they to trouble King Saul. So they sought uh, David to come and play a harp. And, uh, and that harp music, just by playing skillfully on the harp, that evil spirit departed from King Saul. He couldn't stay there. And it tells us a couple things. There's a kind of music around which Satan and his demons are not comfortable. And that we would have to assume then that the opposite is true. There is a kind of music around which Satan and his demons do feel comfortable. The signs point to it, and it's usually just Christians trying to justify it. We've got to be careful that we're not the ones trying to justify our music choices just because we like it. Whether or not you believe it, whether or not you say it, music affects you. Don't, don't assume the style of music doesn't matter. It's not just about the lyrics. But it does send a conflicting message. The music is, itself is not all that's involved. There's also, there is the issue of the lyrics. You know, the lyrics of the music we listen to affect us and many Christians are filling their minds with lyrics that send a message in direct opposition to God's word. If you stop and think about the lyrics of the songs that you're listening to right now, evaluate them as we talked about this morning, test them, try the Spirit's. All the voices and influences in your life, try them and compare them to God 's word. And I think you 'd be surprised at how much music bypasses our godly filter and just goes straight into our emotion or our body, and we don 't even realize it. I remember as a young person, I had a, young, a guy, and I, he was riding in my car, and, and he gave me a cassette tape, and while we were driving around, I put it in the car, and, and uh, you know, he was, I was listening to it with him, and, and you know I wanted to fit in with him. And I started, you know, I just left, he left and accidentally left the tape and I just kind of left it in my car. And I started kind of listening to it because it was, you know, what all the kids were listening to. And my parents, though, I love the way the Lord works this out. Because my parents got in my vehicle one day to borrow it. It doesn't always work like that. You know, I think God does that because he knew I, they, that I needed a lesson in this. So they got in my vehicle and they drove it. And then um, they, that night I was back at home and they came to me and, and they said, Jason, we need to talk. And, I was, and anytime that happens, you know, immediately anxiety begins. And they said, we got in your car today and, and the tape that was playing in the car Um, Do you realize that we we were listening to the lyrics, do you realize that in the song that we listened to, they took the name of the Lord in vain multiple times? And honestly, as a young person, I obviously wasn't as sensitive to to it as I should have been, uh, but I hadn't even noticed that. All I heard was the music... And all I was thinking was, well, this is what the kids are listening to. And all in my mind, I'm just thinking the whole time, well, now I'm kind of cool. Because it took me a while to get there. wasn't natural for me. But I didn't even realize that, I mean, literally one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. You know, and I would never as a practice, as a child of God, as a father, as a husband... I would never just uh, practice that, uh, that breaking of that law. I mean, I would say, yeah, that's I should never do that. I ought to be careful in the things that I say. And yet with music, because it, it, it bypasses our thinking and our logic, it will, will allow things through music that I would never let someone walk into my living room and say and speak like. And it bypassed what I should have been on alert for. I didn't even notice it. My parents had to point it out to me. You know, Satan's effectively been influencing the minds of people with his messages, using the medium of music, and often we don't even realize it. The most recent statistics that I could find, um, it was about, they're about 10 years old, but in 2009, 92% of the songs that made the Billboard Top 10 chart were about sex. And I'm not trying to make it uncomfortable here today. Uh, You can't walk in the grocery store without hearing some of this now. But 92% of the songs on the Billboard Top 100 were about that illicit physical relationship, adultery. The Bible calls it fornication. No wonder the issue of sexuality is so confused in our culture. Because every day, people are just pouring these thoughts into their minds. Uh, And this summer, just this summer, I looked at the the top 10 songs on the Billboard Top 100... And, and the number one song was about adultery and fornication. The number two song, same thing. The number three song, the number four song, the number five song. When I looked at the chart and I stopped there because I don't want to, I'm not going to sit and just feed my mind uh, with those things, but I wanted to know what, I mean, what are young people listening to? Uh, what's playing on their iPhones? What are, what are they downloading? What are they streaming? Well, no wonder then they're going out and, and they're breaking their spirits by getting enga- engaging in something God never intended for anyone to be involved in outside of marriage and yet 14 and 15 year olds are feeding their minds with this stuff. Not, that wasn't the only theme. There were other wholesome themes like rebellion, anger, the love of money, partying, none of which would I allow or want my children to be engaged in. Even something as simple as love at first sight, which we think, oh, how romantic and how sweet. Love at first sight. But you think about that. You think about the danger of that kind of thinking. I mean, in the, in the 50s, we could go back to the old songs in the 50s, and, and many of us in here would say, oh, that's, that's, those are, that's when music was really good. So you're going to tell me then that walking into a room and just, just by looking... Just by viewing somebody else and you're going to say, oh, love at first sight, I'm going to end up with them. You tell me that that's a good thought for our young people to be thinking? I don't want my, my daughters to walk into a room and, oh man, there's the guy right there and that's the one I'm going after. I mean, they don't know anything about him. What, what, what that message is sending is, uh, in that case, then you don't have to have any filter except physical attraction. And something that is as simple and that seems as innocent as, a, as a, a subject like that, even that is causing our young people to be led by their emotions and not led through the filter of God's word. And we've got to be mindful of these things. We've got to stop and look at what these things are doing. You cannot fill your mind with those kind of thoughts and not have it affect you. And most of us agree that fornication and the love of money... And rebellion and anger are not right, and we shouldn't be involved, but put that message to music and make it available on Apple Music or Spotify or YouTube, and Christians are downloading it and listening to it just like everybody else. These are exactly the reasons that we need to know where we stand and, and why we stand there on the subject of music, because here's why. Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You become what you think. And you have to protect yourself. And parents tonight, don't just protect yourself. You've got to think about a household you've got to protect. The only way to truly protect yourself and the people that you love the most is to know where you stand according to this book right here. If you think that you're, you will be the exception, um, but, but you, you can feed your mind what you want and you, it won't affect you, Um, you're sorely mistaken. The problem with the music philosophy of most Christians is that they develop it based on the supremely spiritual question. Anybody know what that question is? They say, what's wrong with it? That supremely spiritual teenage question that I heard for years and years as a youth pastor, well, what's wrong with it? And I think there is some validity. I understand why they approach it that way. A lot of people love that question. But listen, do you realize nowhere in Scripture is this approach to any issue validated? And let's look at a couple places. Look over Ephesians chapter five, just a couple pages over to the right. Ephesians chapter five. You see that question? What's wrong with it? Is is the opposite kind of question that we should be asking? Really when we come to where we stand on issues the question should not be what's wrong with it what do you think the question should be what's right with it what's right with this Ephesians 5:8 says where I'm sorry Ephesians 5:8 says for ye were sometimes darkness but now are ye light in the Lord walk as children of light look down at verse 10 proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So there's a parenthesis there in verse 9, but the the thought goes from 8 to 10. Again, you were sometimes darkness, now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. That's the thought. So do you realize that to prove, so prove means to test or examine. We talked about that this morning. So here it is. The burden doesn't lie with your pastor or some mature Christian in your life to come by and prove why your music is wrong. The burden lies with you to prove why it's right. Can you prove your music to be acceptable to the Lord? See, that the the problem with starting with saying, well, what's wrong with this, is the assumption that at the very beginning that that music is okay. So we're assuming that this music is okay, and now it's somebody's got to come in and prove that it's not okay. No, that should never be the way, according to Ephesians 5, 8, and 10, that we're to prove what's acceptable to the Lord. We start with no assumptions. Our assumption is that this probably isn't going to help me unless I can tell somebody why it does. I need to prove what is right with my music. I shouldn't ask somebody else to have the burden of proof that my music is wrong. It's the opposite way in Scripture of showing that a standard is what you ought to accept. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. We are commanded to prove all things as acceptable to God. Can you prove that the music on your phone is acceptable to the Lord. And it's not the question, well, what's wrong with it? The question is not, well, well, there's nothing wrong with it. No, you should assume that, especially if the world is the one putting that music out, that their intentions are not pure. You know, it's not about there's nothing wrong with it. I want you to show me from that from, from the Bible how that music is enhancing and, and helping your spiritual life. The burden of proof is not on me. The burden of pu- proof, it's on you. If we can't prove our position to be right, then we need to change positions. I mean, if the Bible doesn't support your music in one way or the other, then your music standards, they need to change. And I'm not just telling you this like, I'm up here saying, well, you're you're bad and you're wrong and railing on your music. No, we all need to apply these things to our music. This is something that applies to every Christian. If you were to examine your music through the lens of God's word, how would it hold up? See, the point of us discussing music is to help you to think biblically about it. We need to know what God thinks about music. What's his perspective? And, and I think we're going to get there, but I... I first just wanted to start with this background, this foundation here tonight first. And I don't think we're going to get into all of it tonight. But we need to come at it from God's perspective. And what I'd ask you to do is, especially this next week, as you evaluate, maybe even just stop and listen to what you're listening to. Because I think sometimes we can listen without realizing. So stop and listen and say, okay, wait, wait. How does this song help my spiritual life? What's right with it? Not what's wrong with it. No, not somebody else coming in and disproving it. No, what is it right? How could I prove that this song helps my spiritual life? Just think about it as we go along. And I think as we get into the next part, which is really the foundational part um, of of a Bible, biblical music philosophy, uh, I think that we'll all start to come together and see whether or not we draw our lines in the same places... I think we'll see the value of drawing lines. Uh, because I think a lot of Christians, again, they've opened their front doors. And they've said, whatever's out there can come in. And if it starts to affect me adversely, then maybe I'll, I'll push it out the front door again. But at that point, it's already inside your house. And by that, you'll, I, know, I hope you know what I mean. I'm not talking about your house. I'm talking about the door to your heart. I mean, you should, you should never assume that anything that the world is putting out is okay for you to bring in and test out as an experiment. You should assume, if the, if the world's putting it out, you should assume, I am taking, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a skeptic here. I'm going to assume that unless something very provable comes along that says this is helping my spiritual life, I'm going to assume that it's not good for me. And I know that seems like a skeptical way to live and I'm not trying to create paranoid Christians. That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to help us to be biblical in how we think. Because there's a lot of temptation out there. There's a lot of, the music is everywhere. It's affecting many of us. I mean, it's all over the place. And if we're not careful, we'll just kind of maybe default to how we were raised or default to what we prefer or default to what we like without ever taking the time to prove from Scripture, here's why it helps my spiritual life. So I think if we subject it to that first principle tonight, it would filter out a lot of maybe what we're listening to. We'll pick this back up uh, next week. Let's stand together. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.